Hello. Welcome to Clarifying the Teachings. And once again, I'm pre-recording because I'll be with family and I won't be able to show up live. The good news is, though, as far as I know, I'll show up live next week. (laughs) So thank you for your patience. Last week, of course, I talked about the ego and what the ego looks like in the mind. And I talked about clarity and what clarity looks like and feels like. And the real purpose for knowing the difference between ego and clarity is so that we can learn to discern between the two and then choose to disregard the ego and shift into clarity. So a question I asked myself before I started today's recording was, you know, how did I do that? Um, And what I remembered when I asked that question was that as I began to learn to see ego as ego, And as I began to have tastes of experiencing clarity, I actually entered into a period of increased pain. In other words, it wasn't as painful being fully attached to the ego and seeing myself as that as it was seeing the ego recognizing clarity, wanting to know myself as clarity, but still experiencing primarily ego. You know, once there was this awareness of clarity as a possibility, and yet the experience was still heavily ego, that was the most pain that I felt, even more than when it was just fully ego. Um, so when I entered that period of pain, I said a prayer and I asked for something that would help me establish myself in clarity and, and stay there. And that's when the thoughts of awakening started coming back. Then I called them the single quiet thoughts. In the morning during my contemplation time, at some point during that time, a thought would come, which I would write down uh, and tear it out of my notebook and fold it up and put it in my back pocket. And I reviewed the thought very seriously throughout the day. And if the thought included a practice, which many of them did, then I would practice that thought throughout the day. That thought was my central focus throughout the day. And especially when I noticed that my attention was getting caught up in ego stories and ego worries and ego judgments and ego frustration and annoyance, all of that, right? I would pull out the single quiet thought and shift my attention to that. So it's fair to say that the thoughts of awakening were the tool 
that helped me learn how to shift from ego focus to clarity. By the time the thoughts of awakening quit coming, I was primarily established in clarity and only slipped out on occasion. And then I was able to look right at it and shift back into clarity with ease. So that's what the thoughts of awakening did for me. And just in case you're wondering what the thoughts of awakening are, I have that set up. Let me share my screen. This is a picture of the thoughts of awakening, 365 thoughts for contemplation. This is the collection of those thoughts that came to me, which I used throughout the day. What I've done for this hour is I've selected some of these thoughts out of the first 100, right? There's 365, but I just looked at the first 100. And I selected some thoughts that I thought were particularly helpful for me. And I put them in a document on my computer so I can share those thoughts with you or as many as I can get through in an hour. The very first thought was one that was particularly helpful. It says, accept all things given as a gift from our Holy Spirit for the purpose of peace and awakening to love. This first thought was central to my process of learning how to shift from the ego way of thinking to abiding as clarity. What's really important about this thought is the accept all things. So that meant that whatever happened in my life, whatever happened in the world that I was aware of, everything within my awareness, no matter what it was, no matter how bad it seemed or how scary it seemed, <laughs> everything in my awareness had one purpose. And the purpose was awakening to truth, to peace, to love. And for me, I didn't um, just say that this was true. <laughs> I lived this as a truth. So if something happened within my awareness that was upsetting to me, I accepted that this thing happened so that I could find a false belief or idea or value or desire in my mind. Look at it. Release it. And become free. That's what everything was for. 
And I made no, ex no exceptions. Accept all things given as a gift from our Holy Spirit for the purpose of peace and awakening to love. The second thought that I selected was thought number 15. Your willingness is everything. Your willingness is your strength. Your willingness is your guide. Your willingness is an expression of your love and your desire to forgive. Your willingness is God's will written upon your heart. Turn to your willingness and be grateful for it. Your willingness is everything. This was also key, central to my process. I trusted this. I trusted that if I was willing to awaken, willing to heal the mind, that then the way would show itself. When things seemed very difficult, and there were times when things did seem very difficult, when things were very difficult, I turned to the teachings in thought number one and thought number 15. I remembered that everything was for the purpose of my awakening. And I remembered I wanted to awaken. In the beginning, my spiritual aspiration was to be only love. Later, my spiritual aspiration was to heal the mind. At another time, I remember my spiritual aspiration was to see that the world was not real. All of these spiritual aspirations were the same in that what I wanted to know was ultimate truth, which I trusted was perfect love. And I wanted to be that truth and nothing else. And when I contemplated my spiritual aspiration, the willingness for that would just grow and thrive in me. And then through wanting that spiritual aspiration to be realized, I was able to accept whatever was here, no matter how difficult it was, as a gift for that purpose. So I relied heavily on my willingness. I've always thought of my willingness as my true north. Focusing on my willingness or focusing on my spiritual aspiration kept me in the position of using everything for my awakening. 
Your willingness is everything. Your willingness is your strength. Your willingness is your guide. Your willingness is an expression of your love and your desire to forgive. Your willingness is God's will written upon your heart. Turn to your willingness and be grateful for it. Your willingness is everything. The next thought that I selected is number 20. All thoughts are within the mind, and it is here within the mind where you make the choice to treasure or dismiss the thoughts you think. Pay attention to your thoughts and the meaning you believe they have. And then remember what you have decided you want. Each thought either supports your purpose or draws you away from it. Choose your treasure wisely. So this was a very important thought, um, which of course became a key practice. The first thing in this thought is that instead of having my attention outward on the world, my attention needed to be inward with thought. I needed to be watching thoughts, paying attention to the thoughts that were showing up in the mind. And with my spiritual aspiration as my guide, remember the previous thought that we looked at said, your willingness is your guide, right? Your willingness is your guide. So with my spiritual aspiration as my guide, I would look at the thoughts that appeared in my mind and I would make a conscious decision. Does this thought support my spiritual aspiration? Or does this thought draw me away from it? And then based on that alone, I would choose to let go of a thought or choose to embrace it. So for example, I lived with someone for a while who really could mess up a house, you know, uh, leave things lying everywhere, uh, muddy footprints in the bathtub, drawers and cabinets left wide open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would look around my house because I like to keep a fairly neat house. <laughs> so I would look around my house and I would see this. And this anger and this hatred would rise. This strict criticism in the mind, very strict criticism in the mind would rise.
And of course, with the eyes, the evidence that I was right and that this other person was wrong was everywhere. But instead of looking at the situation, I looked at my thoughts. I noticed the judgment, the strict criticism. I noticed the hate thoughts, the anger thoughts. And I asked, is this what I want? Do I want hatred? Do I want anger? Do I want harsh judgment? And the answer was no. So based on that alone, I would let go of those thoughts. That means I didn't approach this person and ask this person, clean that up and wipe this off. And, you know, I didn't do that. Instead, I learned to abide in the house with it as it was. You know, I washed dishes when it was natural for me to wash dishes. I picked up things when it was natural for me to pick them up, but I couldn't keep up with this person with how quickly they messed it up again. And so I just let it be as it was. The point is that I actively made decisions about what I wanted when I looked at the thoughts in my mind. And I was clear on what I wanted because I knew my spiritual aspiration. All thoughts are within the mind. And it is here within the mind where you make the choice to treasure or dismiss the thoughts you think. Pay attention to your thoughts and the meaning you believe they have. And then remember what you have decided you want. Each thought either supports your purpose or draws you away from it. Choose your treasure wisely. I think a key thing for me throughout this spiritual path has always been knowing what I want. I don't engage in any spiritual practice, whether it's mind watching, letting go of thought, practicing contemplation, practicing meditation, practicing inquiry, surrender. I don't engage in any spiritual practice because I think I should. I haven't done any of this because I think I should, because I think I'd be bad if I didn't. I first focus on what I want. I recognize how much I want it. 
and then I do what's appropriate, the spiritual practice that is appropriate, that is moving me towards what I want. So it's all about wanting and being in harmony with myself and going in the direction I choose. It's all about freedom. The next thought that I've selected for us to look at tonight is number 34. Honesty is acceptance of the present moment as it is. The thought that is here is here. The emotion that is felt is felt. The perception that is perceived is perceived. This is honest. One who is honest can also question a thought, an emotion, and perception with awareness to see if it is true. One who is not honest cannot question with awareness because that one has hidden from himself that which must be questioned. So one thing that's tempting to do on the spiritual path is to lie to ourselves, to um, trick ourselves into thinking we're more spiritual or more advanced than we actually are. So for example, if someone comes around that I don't like, I pretend like even to myself, that that's not true, I'm okay with her. <laughs> and when I do that, I maintain the ego. So one of the things that I learned, which was really, really important, and the funny thing is this wasn't easy, but I learned I had to be self-honest with myself. I had to be self-honest in my journal. I had to start with saying, this is what's here. I do not like this person. I do not like this person because I think she da 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 da. You know, I think da 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 da. I think it should be this way da 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 da. You know, just putting it all down, admitting that experience first. I call this true confession. And then after admitting that experience, then I could go back and question it. I could go back and question the thoughts involved. I could ask inner wisdom to help me see this differently. But I couldn't do any of that without first admitting what the experience is. And when I admit to myself what the experience is, I was also always very careful to find the best word that described the current experience. You know, like I remember writing about one person 
And when I was looking for how I felt about him, you know, I don't like him. No, that's, not, that's not fully it, you know, and I don't remember what other options I looked at, but I remember when I got to this, I am disgusted by him. Whew. That was it. That was the truth of the experience. I remember in my journal sometimes I would write, I hate this person. So it wasn't always pretty when I really sat down and I really looked and I you know, was pulling up what's true here. Not ultimate truth, but true about this experience. And then accepting that, not judging it. Right? Accepting this is the experience. This is what I'm feeling. These are the thoughts in my mind. This is how I see this. And then asking, how can I see differently? And then practicing inquiry on my thoughts. So honesty is acceptance of the present moment as it is. The thought that is here is here. The emotion that is felt is felt. The perception that is perceived is perceived. This is honest. One who is honest can also question a thought an emotion and perception with awareness to see if it is true. One who is not honest cannot question with awareness because that one has hidden from himself that which must be questioned. Number 38, this one was really important to me because, <laughs> you know, guilt was a big part of my emotional makeup, guilt and unworthiness. They were kind of hand in hand for me. Uh, if you ask what's the difference between guilt and unworthiness, unworthiness is more just I am inherently lacking. I'll never be enough. I was just born that way. That's unworthiness. Guilt is I did something. I, I said that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm guilty. I didn't try hard enough in school. I'm guilty. I judged that person. I'm guilty, right? There's like, it's like a something happens and then we judge ourselves as guilty for that. There's an action or a thought involved. But, you know, both guilt and unworthiness were a big part of my makeup. <laughs> And, and very difficult to let go of. I mean, fear was difficult to let go of too, but I, in my case, fear was easier to let go of than guilt and unworthiness. So number 38 was really helpful. <laughs> the feeling of guilt has been misunderstood. It does not mean you have done something wrong. It only means you have something to learn. In learning, you will know great joy and celebration. So prior to receiving this thought, and even for some time after, <laughs> but um, I believe that the feeling of guilt meant that I was guilty. The feeling of guilt 
was a fact and it meant that I was bad, right? What this says is that feeling really means, look again, you can learn from this. Not you're bad, not you're guilty, just look again. It's like a little internal system. So if I say something mean, I snap at someone and then that feeling arises, which we call guilt, that feeling arises. What that feeling really is, is look again. What just happened with you? You know, what thought was in your mind? What were you believing? What were you reacting to when you snapped? What this means is that this feeling that we call guilt is actually the look again feeling, the learning feeling. Look again, get wiser. <laughs> it, it's pointing out that we have an opportunity to see more clearly. And it's pointing out a situation that we can look at with awareness, inquire into, learn from, in order to become more clear. So that instead of abiding as the ego, we can learn to abide in clarity. When I started seeing guilt this way, it was like being put on a fast track. Because every time the guilt showed up, then instead of thinking, oh, there's that proof of how bad I am, <laughs> I pull out the journal. I start with the honesty. This is what I saw. This is what I believe. This is how I felt. And then I ask inner wisdom, what would you say to me about this? And I opened up to seeing differently. So Instead of guilt being something that kept me down because I believed I was bad and I'll never be any better, I'm a loser, I'm never going to awaken. Instead of keeping me down, it became the fast track to look again into awakening into clarity more quickly. It's just a matter of interpretation. What does that feeling mean? The feeling of guilt has been misunderstood. It does not mean you have done something wrong or it does not mean you are bad, right? It only means you have something to learn. Here is an opportunity. In learning, you will know great joy and celebration. So 40 is the next thought that I've selected. If you are not at peace, there is a wonderful opportunity before you right now. Seize the opportunity. What obstacle to peace are you holding on to? What idea do you cling to that is causing you pain? So this is very much like that first thought, which said that everything is a gift from the Holy Spirit, right? For the purpose of love and a, a purpose of peace and awakening to love. This says, if I'm not at peace, there's a wonderful opportunity here right now. So in the moment that I am not at peace, that's the moment when the opportunity is here. So 
So if in this moment someone says something to me, I become frustrated or annoyed or I feel unworthy. Right now, there's a thought in my mind that can be seen. When this person said that, what interpretation happened here? When this person said that, what thought was here that attention quickly went to and believed? It's never what that person said, or it's never what happened. It's always the interpreting or the believing that happened here. And the best way to catch that quickly is to look right now while I'm not feeling the peace. Oof, what thought just went by believed? So that's what this is suggesting. It's suggesting that we learn to look quickly whenever we're not at peace. Look this way not that way, look this way, not that way, look this way, quickly. What did I think? What did I believe? How was it interpreted here? Everything that I'm sharing is exactly what I practiced to move beyond believing the ego and being all caught up in the ego into living in established in clarity. So number 40 again, if you are not at peace, there is a wonderful opportunity before you right now seize the opportunity. What obstacle to peace are you holding on to? What idea do you cling to that is causing you pain? Number 64, you are misled because you believe that you need that which is hurting you the most. Lay aside your old way of thinking. It is not your truth. It is an obstacle to truth. Now, I don't know if you see it yet, but especially the first part of this is like, oh my God. <laughs> In fact, I have a, a friend named Cheryl Valentine who wrote a book. The title of her book was, oh my God, it's me. Right? That's what this says. You are misled because you believe that you need that which is hurting you the most. What is it? It's those ideas, those opinions, those values, those desires, those attachments, those point of views, as Dr. David Hawkins calls it, those positionalities. These are what's hurting you the most and you think you need them. You think you have to cling to that opinion, that point of view, that position. Oh my God, it's me. 
we have to see this. We have to see that by constantly desiring, I'm causing myself pain. By believing that this side is right in a, in a story and this side is wrong in a story, a political struggle, for example, that's causing me pain. I could be at peace if I would just let go of everything I think. But thinking is what I value the most. My thoughts are me. You see, that's what we have to see, that that's what we believe. Who am I without my opinions? Who am I without my political points of view? Who am I without my ideas of right and wrong? That's a good question. Who am I without opinions, points of view, right and wrong? Am I willing to find out? Back to thought number 15. You are misled because you believe that you need that which is hurting you the most. Wake up to this. Wake up. Lay aside your old way of thinking. That's the ego. It's not your truth. It's an obstacle to your truth. It's an obstacle to abiding as clarity. Number 65, now this one I think is probably the most well-known thought of awakening, at least that very first little paragraph. What you think you see. What you see, you experience. What you experience, you think. This is why reversal is needed. Be willing to think apart from what you experience. And you think apart from fear. You think apart from guilt. You think apart from division. In this way, you think in alignment with truth and that which is not truth can be undone. And when this thought of awakening came, it came with a vision. And in the vision, there was this, it was a redheaded man uh, uh, with a, uh, I call it a TI hat. I used to be in the Air Force and you know, in boot camp, the technical instructors, the TIs, had these hats uh, and of course you know they would yell at us they were trying to they were trying to get us to the point where we could remain calm under pressure this was their goal and in order to teach us to remain calm under pressure they had to give us pressure right so in my vision there was this red-headed ti all red-faced like this far away from my face just screaming at me 
telling me how unworthy I was, how worthless I was. And of course, what was tempted to kick off here in the mind was believing everything he said. And of course, here in the mind is where this loop of experience happens, not here where the TI is. So here, I think he's right. I experience myself as worthless, right? And then later, I think about it more, right? What I think, I see. What I see, I experience. What I experience, I think. So the important part about this vision coming uh, while this thought was coming was that I knew that even while the experience was right here of this T.I. in my face, screaming at the top of his lungs, telling me how worthless I was, this is where I needed to learn to think apart from that experience. Instead of believing all of the worthless thoughts here, I could shift to compassion for him, know that his upset came from thoughts in his mind. And then I'm going to feel completely differently. I'm thinking differently, so I'm going to see differently. Because I see differently, I'm going to experience differently. So I knew that this thought of awakening was asking me at this point to learn to practice thinking apart from the ego, stepping into clarity, shifting into clarity, even while something was happening. It wanted me to start practicing that. You know, before then, I was always caught up in the situation, and then I would get to my journal as soon as I could, and I would inquire. And that was helpful. Don't get me wrong. That was important. I never would have gotten to this stage if I hadn't done that. But now it's asking me not to do that. Well, if I have to, I do. But it's asking me to begin to practice right now, right here, while this is happening, shifting to clarity. And it's saying that if I do that, that changes everything. The ego will begin to be undone. I will begin to experience clarity. It changes everything. This is the key, which is why it's probably the most known thought of awakening. What you think, you see. What you see, you experience. What you experience, you think. This is why reversal is needed. Be willing to think apart from what you experience. And you think apart from fear. You think apart from guilt. You think apart from division. In this way, you think in alignment with truth. And that which is not truth can be undone. Quote number 66. Or sorry, not quote, thought number 66. Every idea that seems to cause you fear or pain is a thought within your mind. There isn't one single exception. 
a thought that isn't in your mind is unknown to you. So again, this is very much like thought number one, right? Thought number one said every experience was here to help me in the purpose of peace and awakening to love. This says, whenever I experience fear or any type of emotional pain, it's because of a thought right here that I'm believing. And there's never, ever an exception. Even a TI right here screaming in my face, telling me how worthless I am. He is not the cause of my pain. What's going on here is the cause of my pain. And in fact, let me just show you something else quickly. I've shown you this before. Uh, on the Awakening Together YouTube channel, there is a playlist called RDA Early Teachings. And this playlist is wonderful if you want to hear the stories of me going through all of this healing of the mind, what I call the purification process. But at the very end of the list, there are some videos called Healing the Belief in Rejection. And in fact, what really goes well with them is the mistake in seeking approval. You might start with the mistake in seeking approval, which is number 267 and then listen all the way to the end of the list, number 275. And they're very sh short. You can see the times here, eight minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes. The longest one it looks like is about 14 minutes. But what you'll see when you listen to these, especially in the healing, the be belief and rejection stories, is that it appeared that someone was rejecting me. That was a very strong appearance. But what I was guided to look at was the belief here that I was rejectable. In other words, this person turning their back on me and wanting nothing to do with me was not the cause of my pain. The cause of my pain was the belief that I am rejectable. So that's what this quote is saying. Every idea that seems to cause you fear or pain is a thought within your mind, not out there. And there isn't one single exception. So don't make a single exception. I don't care what the story is. I don't care what the event is. Look here for why you're in pain. Always look here. It's the only way you become free. Every idea that seems to cause you fear or pain is a thought within your mind. There isn't one single exception. A thought that isn't in your mind is unknown to you. So I couldn't be rejected if I didn't believe I was rejectable. And what that means is I mean someone else could still want nothing to do with me but I don't see it as I'm being rejected I see it as they are believing their thoughts and acting on their thoughts because the belief in rejection is no longer in me
number 16. I'm sorry, number 69. <laughs> I don't know where that 16 came from. Uh, number 69. The only way to let go of ego is to choose not to listen to it anymore. To listen is to believe. To listen is to follow. To listen is to do. Let me just stop there. This isn't saying that the only way to let go of ego is not to hear it anymore. You see, it's defining what listen means. You can hear it and not believe it. You can hear it and not follow it. You can hear it and not do what it says. So if you hear it, but you're not believing it, following it, doing what it says, you're not listening to it, right? So we don't have to get to the point where we don't hear the ego. It's okay to hear the ego. We just don't believe it, follow it, do what it says. Let it chatter without a response from us. So the only way to let go of ego is to choose not to listen to it anymore. To listen is to believe to listen is to follow, to listen is to do. Instead of listening to ego, listen to me, right? Inner wisdom, clarity. Believe me by not believing ego. Follow me by putting your mind to rest, right? Relaxing the mind. Do as I say, by choosing not to do as ego says. By following these simple steps, you release your hold on ego. Releasing is letting go and letting go is releasing. So I really wanna focus on this sentence, do as I say, meaning inner wisdom or clarity. Do as I say by choosing not to do as ego says. For those of you who recently saw the Awakening Together movie of the month, it was called Violet, right? She saw that billboard that said something like, do the opposite. So she started doing the opposite of what the, head, the voice in her head told her to do. If the voice in her head said not to speak to someone, she spoke to them, right? If the voice in her head told her, you better go sit down and talk to that person, she walked away, <laughs> right? She did the opposite. That's what this is saying. Do as I say by choosing not to do as ego says. In other words, you don't have to really hear an inner voice telling you to do the opposite of what the ego is saying. You just have to notice that that is the ego and then choose not to follow it, not to do what it says not to believe it, not to listen. And I practice this very consistently. You know, if someone would send me an email and I would want to write back and in some way defend myself, meaning that's what the ego was saying, defend, defend, I would not write the email. If um, someone called and left a message and it wasn't really anything that, I felt to respond to, but the guilt was saying, you better respond to that. 
I didn't because it was guilt saying it. And I wanted to do the opposite of guilt. Now, of course, you have to get very clear. This is, goes back to last week's clarifying the teaching. You have to know what that ego looks like and feels like in you. But if you can identify it in ego as ego, then you know not to believe that, not to follow that, not to do that. And by doing the opposite, you're paying attention to clarity. It's quite simple. And if you haven't seen the movie Violet, go watch the movie Violet because she demonstrates thought number 69 perfectly in that movie. The only way to let go of ego is to choose not to listen to it anymore. The only way to let go of ego is to choose not to listen to it anymore. To listen is to believe, to listen is to follow, to listen is to do. Instead of listening to ego, listen to me. Believe me by not believing ego. Follow me by putting your mind to rest. Do as I say by choosing not to do as ego says. By following these simple steps, you release your hold on ego. Releasing is letting go and letting go is releasing. Number 84, the ego is nothing except the investment in ideas. Therefore, letting go of the ego is nothing more than letting go of that investment. This was very important for me to see too, that all the ego is, is investment. It's really attention's investment in ideas. So all I was letting go of was an investment in ideas. I wasn't letting go of myself, wasn't letting go of anything else, just the investment in ideas. That made it much simpler. So the ego is nothing except the investment in ideas. Therefore, letting go of the ego is nothing more than letting go of that investment. Number 86, look carefully at your thoughts. Look deeply at your thoughts. Look honestly at your thoughts. What are they bringing to you? What is the experience they give? Is this the experience you wish to have? Are you willing to let go of the thoughts that hurt you? If not, why not? What are you holding on to? So again, this is just a thought about mind watching and practicing inquiry on the thoughts. But it's focusing on the ones that hurt you. You know, that's, that's where the purification process seems to start. We have to recognize how we hurt ourselves by clinging to thoughts. So pain, upset, is the signal to move into the inquiry. Pain and upset is like a little alarm clock that wakes you up 
so you can look with awareness. Look carefully at your thoughts. Look deeply at your thoughts. Look honestly at your thoughts. What are they bringing to you? What is the experience they give? Is this the experience you wish to have? Are you willing to let go of the thoughts that hurt you? If not, why not? What are you holding on to? Number 91, letting go of seeing fear as knowledge is letting go of investment in ideas. That is letting go of investment in ego. So what's important here is we don't realize that we think fear is knowledge. And, some, and you know, this has to be seen. You know, if I'm afraid of talking to this person, I believe this fear is the knowledge of how to keep me safe, right? That's also really demonstrated in the movie Violet. I have to see that this fear is not knowledge, that I am perfectly safe without it, without fear. Fear is not knowledge. Fear does not keep me safe. Wisdom does. Clarity does. So that's really important to see that. Letting go of seeing fear as knowledge is letting go of investment in ideas. That is letting go of investment in ego. And I'm noticing I only have a couple minutes left. Um, so I'll just read the last couple without commenting on them. Number 92, putting fear aside by not listening to it. That means not following it, not doing what it says, right? Not believing it. Putting fear aside by not listening to it is a practice of awakening. Because putting fear aside by not listening to it is an action of trust in the formless. Trust in the formless is trust in the reality of you. So this is another thought about doing the opposite of what the ego is saying in the mind. Number 98, practice letting go today. Notice every time you want to hold on to the ideas you think are important. Look, notice, acknowledge, right? Be honest. And then remember me and practice letting go today. And I think that's it. That's yes. Oh, no, there's a 99. Let's read it. This will be the last thought that I selected from the first 100. See that the thoughts you want to hold to are only thoughts you want to hold to. They're ideas only. And you want to hold to them as if they are your life. But are they your life? Are these ideas that which you are? All right, I'm out of time, so I need to go. I'll be here next week. Again, if you want to look at these thoughts, these thoughts are available on Amazon.com as Thoughts of Awakening by Regina Don Akers. All right, that's it. Bye.